This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the Glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson and Michael Fabiano. What is up? It is the SI Fantasy Podcast, doing a little special edition, DFS edition on a Friday. Ben Heisler, glad to uh, have you here with me today. Uh, Normally, it is Corey and Michael Fabiano, but uh, I wanted to bring on a special guest because Occasionally in this industry, you come across some some really talented people that you didn't have a chance to, to learn about up until recently. And that's kind of how I discovered John Jackson. This guy has been writing over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. You follow him on Twitter as well at John Boy Beats. And, and, and what I love about his column every week is that it is basically sort of the new creation of a choose your own adventure when it comes to 
DFS when it comes to DraftKings and really going in the direction of tournaments. Um, this isn't a cash game article. This is about finding the right stacks and being able to follow what he calls the flow chart to really help you feel like, okay, if I'm going to start at point A, how do I choose my own adventure to points B, C, and D? And I'm excited to have John on the show today as we go over the week 13 slate. So John, I appreciate the time, man. It is, we're, we're taping this early in the morning on Friday. You're on Pacific time. Time, so you're up early talking DFS, man. What could be better? Yeah, I know, man. I love it. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited about it. So, so tell me initially, as somebody who is not in the the DFS industry full time, what your connection to the site was, what your connection to DFS was. Like, how did you first get started in this space? Yeah, so uh, I mean, I actually just kind of started um, on Twitter, and uh, you know, about a year ago in March, um, I. I opened up my Twitter account and I was I was actually just doing trends for March Madness and uh, I was I was trying to just go through a bunch. I have this big database of stuff for March Madness and and that's how the guys over at uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network kind of found me um, and uh, so from there I started kind of putting out some stuff um, you know for NFL and I was going through you know some gambling stuff and, and trying to give out picks and threads and stuff like that for different games and then um, once that started to pick up steam. You know, I was like, well, I'm going to try to just throw out some stuff for DFS, some of the different kind of charts and, and ratings and stuff like that that I kind of use. And, and people really started to like that. And then um, I, and then that's where the idea of kind of the flow chart came up. And so, um, you know, I, I was kind of not frustrated, but, it, you know, it's, it's hard to find uh, content out there in the DFS world where, you're able to read something and, and, and get to the end of an article and you, you feel like you, you have a whole lineup, you know, there, there's plenty of stuff where people give out, you know, their, their couple stacks or their, their top pump plays for the week or something like that. But, but nothing really gets you to where you're, you've created a whole lineup. And, and I think that's, that's the key for, for a lot of people that are kind of starting out at DFS is, is making sure that at the end of the day, your lineup, when you, you know, you hit submit and, uh, and the slate locks is, it's correlated and it's got a chance to, to bubble up to the top, you know? Yeah, we'll talk about the flowchart coming up in just a second because I, I think you're right. And normally, you know, DraftKings regulations, they basically say you can't give somebody a lineup. And what I like about the flowchart is that it gives you a lot of the tools that you need to go ahead and fill out a complete lineup without necessarily giving it away. It goes over strategy. It goes over, okay, if you're going in one direction, here's another opportunity where you can follow. Or if you don't like this one so much, uh, here is a pivot off of that. So we'll get into the flowchart in, in just a second. But uh, you mentioned that that the Sports Gambling Podcast Network found you initially uh, with a lot of the college basketball trends that you were doing over March Madness. Is, is that your, your first love in the sports space as a college basketball? or is it really just sort of an equal combination of, of NFL hoops college uh sort of where did, where did it start for you yeah I think I mean I think for me it definitely started with football um and and with the fantasy football side I mean going back to you know middle school high school playing fantasy and, and getting uh you know as my mom would say getting addicted to fantasy football at, at a young age so um I, I definitely that, that's my uh that's my strong suit but then I mean, who doesn't love March Madness every year? And, you know, it was, it was such a heartbreaker to get that taken away from us this year. And then, um, you know, I, I uh, recently kind of started getting into NBA a lot more in the NBA DFS side of things, too. And so I'm um, excited for that to, that to come around uh, uh, here at, around Christmas. So. Are, you a, are you a college hoops DFS player as well? I, I'm not. I'm not into the – I don't really play college hoops or college uh, football. I just 
I, in order for me to do well at that, I would just need to commit way more time than I have. <laughs> uh, There's just too much news to try to keep up on, especially this year. I mean, geez. Yeah, no, it's it's especially tough, and and again for for NBA especially, uh, if you can't have that time committed, especially you know thirty minutes before slate lock, uh, when a lot of the injury news is going to come out and it comes out super fast, uh, it really is difficult to provide an edge. And, and even for for NFL games, you know, I, the, the article usually comes out a, a day or two before uh, the Sunday slate. Uh, and so again, for anybody that's looking for that, you can find it at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Uh, I've been using it as part of, of my last minute research, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, John and I are, are in simpatico a little bit. I, I like making sure that, you know, some of my ideas and some of my plays are, are kind of in that same realm and, and trying to see where we differ. It's just another really good resource along with all the content that you've been able to find uh, at si.com slash fantasy as well as at si.com slash gambling. So, all right. So we, we talked about the flow chart and, and you mentioned that you were looking for to, to create an outlet uh, that really helped, especially newer players feel like they could be on top of putting together a lineup. Tell me about what you were researching before and why the flowchart allowed you to really open up a lot more eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, previous to doing the flowchart, I, I, I was just kind of putting out, a, you know, I'm a big Excel guy, and so I bring in a bunch of data and kind of all, you know, jumble it into a spreadsheet, and that kind of helps me aggregate some stuff and try to figure out some rankings or ratings or stuff like that on how to look at players. And so previously I was just kind of putting out some, uh, some of my like, you know, kind of ratings for the week or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then I was tracking a little bit of that and how that was doing. And, and, um, you know, some of the, you know, kind of plays that I had my eye on or that I was big on end up doing well. And that started to grow in a little bit. And so, so then, you know, I, I, that's where I kind of, uh, developed the flow chart and said, okay, let's try to, let's try to grab some of these, you know, lists and charts and stuff and like put it into a way to make a lineup. Um, so anyways, that, yeah, that, that's, that's how I got started with it. All right. So let's break it down from the beginning. So last week for week 12, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were your team stack. And that's usually where you like to, to really start the flow chart. It's either uh, some variation of a quarterback wide receiver stack, either with uh, another fellow wide receiver. You can incorporate a tight end or a running back into the mix as well. Uh, I, I'm a big fan uh, of the three-man stack and being able to run it back with somebody on the opposing side. Uh, you, you went with Tampa this or last week, I should say, uh, in a really enticing matchup against Kansas City. Didn't look like it would necessarily cash in, uh, but then Tampa went on a run, especially in the second half. And uh, in the flow chart, you mentioned that you had Tyreek Hill as a possibility to run it back. And and he obviously uh, went complete ham in that matchup. Tell me about uh, a couple of the potential stacks that you have your eye on uh, heading into week 13. Yeah. So um, going into week 13, I mean, what the, the, the big game that I'm kind of eyeing is this uh, Tennessee and Cleveland game. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, I think if I remember correctly, it's got the highest total on the slate and, and it doesn't really look like the ownership's going to be there um, for, for really any of them. Um, I think that's partly maybe due to pricing. I know Henry got a huge bump up this week, um, and AJ Brown's up there a little bit. I think he's seventy six hundred. Um, but I think you know, ever since uh, I forget what week it is, maybe week three or four, when you know Joe Burrow threw sixty one times against the Browns, I've always kind of I've started viewing them as a little bit of a pass funnel defense and um, had some success with that. And then you know, of course, they went on their 
one month streak of uh, horrible rain, weather, and windy games where they just ran the ball all the time. And so I think people are are still um, a little a little bit shy on the uh, going against Cleveland, but I think it's a good spot for for Tannehill um, and and some of the Titans' offense. And and uh, you talked about kind of getting that that double stack and or yeah yeah. So I, I I usually like to do a double stack and and what I've been trying to do a lot this year is correlate the tight end whenever possible. I mean, tight end has just been such a tough year and such a up and down uh, uh, volatile position. And so, you know, throwing A.J. Brown in there and then, you know, potentially getting uh, Johnny Smith or, or even like a Ferkser in there um, uh, really appeals to me. Yeah, I, I like that play a lot. That was uh, a stack that uh, I wrote up with Michael Fabiano uh, over at SI.com. Actually, you can see that article. It just got published earlier this morning over at SI.com slash fantasy. We're, we're both on the Corey Davis train for this week because he's $5,100. He's had double-digit fantasy points and DraftKings points in, in every week but one. Um, and, and I still think your your assessment is correct because there's, there's going to be a lot of FOMO this week with Derrick Henry with him being sub- yep. Five percent. I think it was sub six percent, or might have been right around five percent ownership uh, in major tournaments on DraftKings last week. And then people are going to remind themselves, "Oh yeah, it's Derrick Henry season." And then they're going to think, "Well, if it's Derrick Henry season, that's less likely for me to load up on Tannehill, on AJ Brown, on Corey Davis." Um, you know, you can do a full Voltron stack and incorporate two wide receivers and even Jonu Smith or Ferkser as well. Uh, but then, as far as running it back on the other side with Cleveland, uh, is it Landry or bust? Or are you looking at one of the tight ends? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point with uh, with Corey Davis. I mean, I think, you know, obviously A.J. Brown's got the, the you know, the breakout potential every week, and he's the one putting together the long touchdowns. But in those games where the Titans have been passing the ball a lot um, and, and, and Tannehill's been throwing it, throwing it a bunch, I mean, Davis has been the guy that's getting a lot of the receptions. And so that's a that's an easy way to get there at the low price. Like, so I think if, if, you know, you end up going with Davis there, then I don't really mind Cooper a lot um, this weekend either to bring it back on the Brown side. Um, to pair with Landry. And then, I mean, I, I, I need to look into him a little bit more, but I, I don't really hate Rashard Higgins too much. I mean, I think, okay. um, you know, he, he, I think in that first game or when, when Beckham went out, right, he, he had a pretty good game. And then, and then like I'm saying, they, the Browns went into that, you know, three or four week stretch where they just never had a good weather game. And so I think just in general, Higgins is kind of uh, out the window and people kind of forgot about him. But he was a huge waiver wire pickup. Everybody was all over him in, in season long. And so um, I think this could be a spot where he's going to go, you know, not owned at all and, and, and could be a good bring back option uh, with the Titans. I want to call, I want to throw another few stack options your way, get your perspective. Because uh, one of my favorite low ownership stacks of the week is the the Rams and the Cardinals game. And I particularly love Jared Goff this week. He's done terrific uh, against Arizona's defense under Vance Joseph, which has been drastically improved, certainly over the last year and a half or so. Uh, in two games that they've played, they've obviously yet to play up until week 13 in, in 2020. Um, he's averaging over 371 passing yards. He's been much better on the road this season. Uh, he's almost a lock at this point uh, to go for that 300-yard DK bonus. And, and then you have the opportunity just for, uh, don't even think twice, uh, double stack with both him, 
Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And then as far as an option to bring back on the other side, uh, the first glance, you'd say, okay, well, it has to be DeAndre Hopkins, especially if you think the scoring environment is going to be there. But Jalen Ramsey has been sensational uh, as far as lockdown corners and his stats go. Uh, So I I look, especially if Kyler Murray still might be nursing that injury, uh, red zone touches was a big stat last week, and Kenyon Drake led everybody in the NFL in red zone touches. So this is somebody that saw a season high in volume as far as carries go last week. He had multiple touchdowns. I I think another sort of low ownership stack you might be able to consider this week would be going with the Rams on the road where Goff has been successful against that defense and run it back with somebody like Kenyon Drake as opposed to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, no, no, I like that a lot. I mean, a, a lot of the Rams uh, receivers and tight ends are, are kind of popping up in uh, in my, you know, model that I have. So um, I, I like the Rams a lot. And then, you know, like you're saying with the Cardinals, um, you, it just doesn't seem like Murray's right for some reason. And I don't know if that's, that's just a factor of getting the Bill Belichick, um, you know, schema against, uh, against your best option last week. And, and maybe that was part of it, but I wouldn't mind. I mean, nobody's going to play Kyler Murray this week. I would assume he's going to be probably pretty low owned after the dud last week. So even even throw, you know, taking a chance on Murray and that huge upside um, with maybe just a receiver and a running back, and then bring him back with any of those Rams guys. I mean, that's that's all. That's a great option too. But I, I like that that game a lot. I'm, I'm circling that game a lot of players there. All right, so we've talked about the team stack. We've talked about a, you know, a couple of options. You mentioned the, the Cleveland side uh, for some bring-it-back plays. I mentioned the, the play that I like on the Arizona side. Uh, as also part of that column, you really ha- have featured uh, defenses that might be a little bit more higher-owned, but also uh, a punt play. Uh, you mentioned Denver as a possible defense last week. Uh, that was a play that I really liked. They were only 2,200 against Taysom Hill, uh, and, and they really looked terrific in that first half before eventually you know, at some point, you need a little bit of help from your offense before you start to break a little bit. Uh, who are some of those punt plays on defense, or are you willing to maybe consider spending up a little bit this week? Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I, I usually, for defense, um, I, I, I'm very uh, pro-punting there and, and not really, uh, definitely not spending money, um, you know, anything over like 3500 or any, any of those high-priced defenses. I mean, you know, I, I keep getting killed on it in some of these showdown slates where I where I don't play the defense and then they end up being in the optimal lineup. And I'm always just shy on the defense because it's just such a volatile position. But, I mean, going to the very bottom of the barrel this week, I mean, the Jets, I mean, I mean, I know they're not a good team and they're, they're, they're in the pool for Trevor Lawrence. But, I mean, we just saw Derek Carr just go bonkers when it comes to turnovers and interceptions and twenty one hundred dollars. I mean, it's worth a shot there with the Jets. And then uh, another another team I think uh, is is always worth betting against is Trubisky and the Bears. And so um, I don't really mind throwing the Lions in there this week and and just hoping we see a, a couple interceptions from Mitch. Yeah, I I will probably go away from the Lions defense and listen it's it's Trubisky and it's the Bears so I understand it uh I I will say this though Trubisky has actually been terrific like if we're looking for a sort of a silver lining and I and I typically try to as a Bears fan because there hasn't been much uh he's killed he's killed the Lions over the course of his career in the last four games he has 13 touchdowns he's averaging about 26 27 fantasy points per game uh and via Michael Fabiano's article they've allowed six different quarterbacks 
quarterbacks to score 19 plus DraftKings points against them this year. So you're right. It, it might be a, a refresh opportunity, especially with no Matt Patricia in the building. Uh, there might be a, a major weight lifted off of some of these guys' shoulders. And uh, you know, the Bears is, are, are in free fall. So it's definitely going to be a low ownership play. Uh, I also look at New England uh, in a spot against the Chargers where um, I, I was trying to figure this out too. <laughs> this game opened up Chargers is minus one and a half. And uh, I, I jumped all over New England. Uh, I was able to get them at plus one oh, wow. going on the yeah. road uh, against the Chargers, who are 4-16 and 16 in their last one possession games. So if you're giving me Bill Belichick as an underdog against Anthony Lynn, I'm going to jump on that. So, yeah, those, those are some really intriguing options as far as, as low ownership defenses go, punt plays there. Let's continue on the flow chart. Up next, we have our low-owned leverage players. There's usually a couple guys. Uh, you typically list about five or six over the course of the article. These are the guys that uh, certainly have uh, leverage over the field from a low ownership standpoint, uh, but also the ability to really go off over the course of the slate. And I'm curious to know uh, a couple of those guys that you're targeting heading into week 13. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the big things that I've changed a little bit on the flow chart as this year has gone on is, is last year that that section that I was doing was, was mostly just kind of low owned guys only. And so you know, I was trying to, I think I, I even had like under 5% owned. And so that, that was like kind of the criteria. And, and, uh, and, you know, what I've tried to do this year is just find guys where, you know, they may not be super low owned, but they're still going to provide leverage that, you know, they may be the third or fourth most owned guy on the team. It still may be a, you know, 10% guy or something if the, if the team's really popular that weekend. But if, if that person hits, if that guy goes off, then you you just create so much leverage on the field. And I think, you know, for people that are starting out in DFS, I think the leverage piece is just so important to try to understand and to try to study and, and figure out where those leverage spots are every week. I mean, I, I get a lot of people, you know, sending me, you know, screenshot lineups in, in DMs and stuff like that, getting my opinion. And, and, you know, they'll have like three guys in there that are all projecting to be under 1% and, and, you just don't need to do that all the time. You don't right. need to get that thin um, in order for your lineup to bubble up and, and have a chance at the top. So, I mean, the, the the interesting game, I think, this weekend to try to find some leverage is, is in this Houston-Indiana game or Indianapolis game. Um, so, I mean, obviously with the Will Fuller news, all, all these Houston guys um, are Kiki Kuti, Brandon Cooks, and, and even Jordan Aikens are bubbling up there. Um but I think it doesn't seem like Duke Johnson is going to have much ownership, um, at least relative to those guys. And, I mean, we, we saw what he was able to do last week. That was his first actual, you know, I guess positive week from a DFS side on Thanksgiving Day. But, I mean, we know he has the ability to catch passes. We know they're going to be down pass catchers. And uh, I, I liked Duke Johnson a little bit for leverage. Um, what, what's your take on this kind of Houston-Indianapolis game? It's tough. I feel like this is, if you're going to find an ideal bounce back spot for the Colts, I feel like it's this week. Uh, Watson has been terrific, but I think Fuller's ability to stretch the field has helped them tremendously. And I always have liked Brandon Cooks a lot more when he's not 
the number one option. I, I think that's when you'll see a lot more of those double teams, and, and I'm not sure exactly uh, where Watson will likely go with the ball. I, I think he's in play regardless, uh, even against the Colts defense uh, that throughout most of the year had been you know top three DVOA. Um, but but this week I have a little bit more concerns, especially if the Colts get some guys back uh, that have been missing the last couple of weeks where they really got gashed in the middle of the field by Green Bay, and certainly we know what Tennessee did to them uh, last week. So um, you're right. Like from from a running perspective, my, my only concern about Johnson is just whether or not he'll get the volume. I, we know that he'll catch some passes, but um, you know certainly from a leverage play, I'm with you there. It's just a, a volume concern for me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, you know one of the things that I try to stay away from when I'm thinking about stacking and stuff like that is 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 trying to find those teams that are a little bit more condensed and so. Um, with the, the with their fantasy production, I mean, and that this this kind of Houston Indianapolis game just just uh, it seems like there's a lot of uh, potential pitfalls there with you know the Houston chalk potentially just not looking the same at all with Fuller Fuller gone and then um, the Indian you know the Indianapolis offense just being so spread out and just so many different options that end up doing well every week. It's hard to kind of pinpoint on who's going to do well there. I mean. Uh, in general, that's just kind of a game that I'm staying away from a little bit. The other, the other um, leverage piece that I like, I mean, you know, Austin Eckler is still is still down there at 7100, um, and so he's going to be crazy high owned. and And I don't really, um, I don't really think he's a bad play at all. I mean, we we've seen the uh, the the targets. I mean, he, he said like a just after Rappaport comes out and says he's not going to be a bell cow, he sets a career high in touches last week. So, yeah, I, I love that. I love the Eckler play last week. But but what I don't think is going to happen is I don't think many people are going to try to um, stack this game or play multiple people from this game. So they're they're probably just going to play Eckler and then move on. And so I think that that means you know Keenan Allen um, and and even Mike Williams. Um, have some have some leverage spots this weekend too. Um, just you know, I mean, definitely Allen. He's he's been a target monster this year. We we've seen what Herbert's been able to do. He, he's got a cannon and he fires it off all over the place. And so um, I, I think that's an interesting spot. You know, not that I don't like the Eckler play at all. I think that's actually a pretty good chalky play this week. But I just don't think people are going to play more than one player from that game. Yeah, and I think to your point on Keenan Allen, you know, the price tag might scare a few people, and I'm not sure why it should. He's had double-digit targets in every game except for two going back to uh, September 20th. Um, you know, The one game that he really didn't do much was uh, in a loss to the Saints. This was back on October 12th. He had two targets, two receptions, 29 yards, ended up saving face with a touchdown, but he's got a touchdown in five consecutive games, had 10 targets, Four, uh, four catches for 40 yards last week against a, a tough Buffalo defense uh, that I, I kind of figured was going to, after the bye, start to get themselves back on track. But, yeah, I mean, the week before, man, you know, 19 targets, 16 receptions for 145 yards and a touchdown. He's been sensational. Uh, and, and I do think the leverage could come with one of those receivers. Certainly Mike Williams always has a chance to be able to break the slate. And especially we'll, we'll see what happens, whether or not Gilmore ends up on him because of how Allen lines up constantly in the slot. Uh, but I, I think there's definitely 
definitely some intrigue there. And also maybe with Hunter Henry at the tight end spot, who continues to see a bunch of red zone targets as well. All right, before we go, let, let's get into some of the studs for the week. This is a good opportunity as well when you're looking at the flow chart to basically say, okay, regardless of ownership, regardless of opportunity here, let's make sure that we get uh, at least two of these studs into our lineup, knowing that you know these guys have a chance, regardless of ownership, to break the slate. So tell me about a couple of guys that you have your eye on there. Yeah, so... I mean, one guy that I really like this week is Devontae Adams, um, and it's for a couple of reasons. I mean, you know, Rodgers and Adams have been on another level this year. Um, the Packers are, you know, a pretty condensed office now, uh, offense. I mean, I know they they have Lazard back, but um, Adams is still going to be the guy that gets that gets uh, all the targets this, you know, in this offense. And um, it also is an interesting kind of pivot off of at nine thousand off of uh, Dalvin Cook and and Derrick Henry, who are both over 9002 And, you know, just kind of thinking about that $9,000 price tag, right? We, we, we see that every once in a while, and, and there's only usually a couple guys. But, you know, especially on DraftKings where, you know, with the PPR scoring, it's it's just a lot easier for a receiver to get to that kind of 30-point mark um, and, and, and than it is for the running backs. And, I mean, you know, for a running back to do it, especially like a Derrick Henry, who's not going to catch a lot of balls, you pretty much have to have two touchdowns in a, you know, over 100-yard game, whereas – you know, Adams can can pick up 10 catches, um, you know, 120 yards and, and a touchdown. And that's like a normal game for him. And he's, he's at that, that 30, 30 point mark. So I, I always try to kind of look at some of those high price receivers and think about um, what what you know, how how do that how do they get to 30? How, how, how do they get to 30 versus the running backs? And does it seem right? And so that's why I really like Adams this week a lot. I, I like Adams quite a bit. I think somebody in the mix that almost is available every week and uh, probably doesn't get the amount of ownership that he should is James Robinson. Really yep. interesting spot on the road against the Vikings defense. They've, they've been better against the run, but they use Robinson in such a variety of ways. And uh, I was encouraged with how they continue to use him with Mike Lennon under center. And he's only $7,300. So that gives you an opportunity for savings as well. Uh, I think Allen Robinson is underpriced at $6,700. I know you're going to consider targeting the Lions defense against Trubisky, but he continues to see just massive amounts of targets uh, with Trubisky. Trubisky under center saw multiple red zone opportunities as well. That was an issue when Nick Foles was under center. Uh, I love the fact that he is looking directly towards Allen Robinson in the end zone. And uh, I don't know how many red zone and and, and touchdown opportunities the Bears have each week, but but against the Lions, I think it's there as well. So there's there's plenty of really good both you know value plays as well as high price guys that I, I think you can really do some damage with this week. And I'm excited to see what the flow chart ultimately ends up looking like uh, from you, John. I, I appreciate the time. It's really good to, to catch up. Follow him on Twitter, you guys, at John Boy Beats, and make sure you check out the flow chart for week 13 by visiting sportsgamblingpodcast.com. This was fun, man. I'm looking forward to uh, doing this down the road. Good luck in week 13, and, and thanks for making time for us on the SI Fantasy Podcast. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. This is a great time.